Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson. Today we will be continuing our series of interviewing candidates seeking election in Georgia. Today we'll be focusing on the 5th Congressional District, which is primarily the city of Atlanta. Our guest today is the presumptive Republican nominee, Christian Zim. Christian is a 10-year resident of Atlanta and attended Emory University for his undergraduate law and business degrees. Christian is currently an attorney and entrepreneur in the Buckhead area. Christian has been involved in the Republican Party since he moved to Atlanta. Most notably, he was the president of the Buckhead Young Republicans, where in 2020, the Georgia Young Republicans gave the Buckhead Young Republicans the Chapter of the Year Award, and gave the Man of the Year Award to Christian. Since April of 2021, Christian has been the Vice President of Communications for the Buckhead City Committee, actively working for Buckhead residents to have the right to vote on cityhood. On February 2nd of this year, Christian announced his candidacy for the United States House of Representatives 5th Congressional District and he has since become the presumptive Republican nominee for this race. Before we start the interview, I want to disclose that the Christian Zim for Congress Committee is paying me to do the federal elections compliance for the campaign. And in addition, and on a volunteer basis, I am doing some campaign advising for the campaign, but I do not get paid for this advising. I have asked the incumbent in the 5th District, Congresswoman Nikima Williams, to come on Advancing the Agenda, and I hope she does. Christian, welcome to Advancing the Agenda, and we'll start with our first topic, which is crime in the 5th District. Well, absolutely. The, the crime has been out of control for far too long, um, especially over the last two years. Um, this has been a complete and total breakdown of our criminal justice system for the entire city of Atlanta and it has to be addressed and it has to be addressed now because there's really no hope in sight um, with the current leadership that we have. Uh, first and foremost, our police officers need to be supported the way that they deserve. They're not allowed to do their jobs. Um, there are 400 police openings right now uh, that the Atlanta Police Department is trying to fill. So we're 400 police officers short of where we want to be. Um, the 911 operators are also understaffed, and of course, they're using COVID as an excuse. It's still an excuse for everything these days. But, um, you know, you, you call, I, I, a couple of my friends, they called 911 recently, and they said that they got voicemail. And I didn't even know 911 had voicemail. Um, so that was very surprising to me. Um, so that's, and of course, the whole defunding the police movement has been absolutely detrimental to the morale, to people wanting to join the force. You've seen resignations and firings at, at, at huge rates over the last couple of years. Are there issues after the criminals get arrested? Yes, unfortunately, there's a lot of issues. So let's say that you're a criminal, you get arrested. Um, let's say in Fulton County, you're going to go over to the Fulton County Jail over on Rice Street. Um, and a really big problem which has been happening is that a lot of these uh, defendants who are being arrested for violent crimes are getting signature bonds. Um, and even defendants who have a criminal history are getting signature bonds. And so what signature bonds are essentially is that, you know, when you get arrested, uh, you're entitled to a hearing before a judge within 24 hours. Or if you get arrested on a Friday, then 
you have to wait till the next Monday to, for your bond hearing. Some people call it bond, some people call it bail. That's what a lot of people understand it as. But basically what happens is that if a defendant gets arrested and they have a, a violent criminal history, they're give, given a signature bond, which is um, they write their signature promising to come back to the court and then they get out on, on bond and back into society. That's a huge, huge problem because these violent criminals that, that are being arrested and who have a violent criminal history are given signature bonds way too much and this is the mistake that the prosecutors are making. Um, and look, I've worked in the prosecutor's office, they're doing all that they can, they're being understaffed as well, but we need to be doing a better job of making sure that, that criminals who are being arrested for violent crimes are not being given signature bonds and thus on the streets right away and the same with those who have criminal uh, criminal history. So it seems like it has two effects. Number one, it increases crime. And number two, it has to demoralize the police. Oh yes, absolutely. And then there's a third element to this as well, which is that let's say that you're a defendant and you get all the way to um, before a judge. You know, over the last couple of years, there's been a movement to uh, go easier on criminals uh, for violent and nonviolent crimes. Um, which has some good effects, but one of the bad effects is what we're seeing right now where these uh, defendants for violent crimes um, are getting off easy. Um, and these prosecutors are so overworked, they've got 300 other cases to work on. They'd rather um, in indict cases for misdemeanors rather than felonies. As, as a congressperson, would you advocate for more federal resources in Atlanta to address crime? Absolutely. I would do everything possible um, to give everything directly to the city of Atlanta and, and, and really directly to the Atlanta Police Department. If you take a look at what's happening right now it's, um, on the west side of town, they are um, in the process of building um, that beautiful training facility where they're going to train police officers and it's really a state of the art. Um, and they're calling it, I guess the protesters are uh, Cop City. They're calling it Cop City. And I saw a video earlier today of uh, protesters who have been camping out in the little forest around it. Um, they've been camping out there actually for weeks. And one individual earlier uh, threw a Molotov cocktail to the police officers and the state troopers that were hanging out there. I mean, this is just crazy. And a little five points just a few days ago, you saw a huge protest about the creation of this training facility. Um, if you looked at, at the signs that they were carrying, the things that they were wearing, it was reprehensible. So, you know, but, but look, the reality is, yes, do some people feel that way? Yes. But the average reasonable person in Atlanta knows that we need more cops on the beat. We need to support our police officers more. The prosecutors need to be doing a better job. That's where Atlanta was when I moved here 10 years ago. These issues weren't here, at least at the level when I first moved here. So we need to get back to the Atlanta that when I first moved here 10 years ago and and um, you know, hopefully when we have new leadership and better leadership, we'll be able to do that. Is the crime isolated in one part of the city or is it throughout the city? Yeah, the crime is all over the city um, and we need more police officers everywhere, especially in our lower income communities. Uh, those are the areas that are hurting the most and you know, a lot of them are predominantly black um, and we need police officers in those areas. Those areas need more, more protection and that's what they're asking for. Let's get to our next topic, which is your involvement with Bucket City. You've been involved with the uh, Bucket City Exploratory Committee and the committee itself since 
April of 21. And if you could talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been quite the journey um, since I joined in April of last year. And it's been so fantastic to be a part of a great organization that simply wants to give the residents of Buckhead the right to vote. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how the community has come together uh, because we believe that this is the best way to get our community back on the right track. Um, you know, look, it's just all about smaller government, smaller, more representative government that's going to serve the needs of the people that they promise. Um, and, you know, look, we've got a fantastic amount of people that are in, the, in our leadership with Bill White and, and Layla and Sam and so many great people that are running for office at the state level um, and at the federal level that are wanting this right to vote. And hey, look, if you look at the statistics right now, um, if, if the vote for it were tomorrow, we're looking at about 62 to 65% would vote yes on both votes on the de-annexation from Atlanta and the incorporation of Buckhead City. Um, and it's really been a great, just a great experience to be a part of this organization. And so is Buckhead basically facing the same issues with crime that the rest of the rest of the city is facing? And in a large part, it is facing a lot of the same problems as, as the rest of the city of Atlanta. The difference is, is that we're, we're not waiting for the Atlanta leadership to get their act together to fix these problems because we don't believe that a new mayor that was just elected last year um, who voted to defund the police back in 2020 is the answer to get more police officers. We don't believe that this new city council that was elected that uh, very recently proposed these zoning ordinances that would completely change the fabric and um, character of Buckhead neighborhoods. We don't believe that that is that's the, the same group of people that's going to turn around and protect our zoning. And we can talk about infrastructure, we can talk about so many different issues, but we're taking the initiatives ourselves to say, you know what, they're not protecting our interests, they're not giving us the voice that we deserve. We've had enough of this and we're we believe that if we are governed by ourselves, that's more representative, that we're going to have city services that are uh, much, much better in the long run. So how does a bucket city, if it's created, how does that help the rest of the 5th District? Absolutely. So a, a, a dying bucket is a dying Atlanta. Um, it will be two sister cities that are side by side that work very well together in tandem to combat our common issues. Um, the fact of the matter is that Atlanta's kind of dying right now, the way that things have been going over the last couple of years. And there's, I mean, my biggest fear is to see Atlanta turn into the next Chicago or Detroit. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. If we keep electing the wrong people, if we keep on instituting these policies that are counterintuitive, then that's the direction that we are going to continue on. Um, but when Atlanta sees how well run Buckhead City is run, with a mayor that can actually balance the budget, with um, a city council that protects and invests in their police, when we get our police officers, um, allowing, when, we, when we allow them to do their jobs, that's going to inevitably overflow into the city of Atlanta and, and help them out. I mean, I can just tell you this right now, with the crime, that the way that it's going right now, we're not gonna be hosting Super Bowls anymore. We're not gonna be hosting all-star games. You can kiss those things goodbye. Um, and so a dying Atlanta is a dying bucket and vice versa. Well, you mentioned something about zoning. 
um, with Buckhead City. Can you can you expand on that? Yeah, you know, zoning, it's kind of interesting. When I go out and speak and talk with people, I get more questions about zoning than I do about crime because a lot of people come here uh, because the zoning where they came from is exactly what Atlanta's trying to do here. Um, with this one individual, he's, he got up in a meeting and he said he moved here from San Diego and he said um, they're doing the exact same thing that the San Diego City Council um, did to his community why he left San Diego and came here. So essentially what's happening is that there were some uh, pushes by the Atlanta City Council to allow developers to go into these single family residential neighborhoods, come in, buy up properties and put up multifamily. Uh, housing. It's incredibly unpopular for the residents around there. And if you think about it, you know, I just bought my first major purchase, a condo. Uh, most people's biggest investment that they make is in their properties, in their house. Imagine if you saved up for your whole life, you bought a nice multi, you know, a single family house, you have a nice family, um, and right across the street, a developer comes in and is going to build a multifamily uh, apartment complex that is a that's going to drive down your property values um so your biggest asset has just lost a lot of value um the character of your community has uh changed uh there is some evidence out there that it will also incre increase traffic because there's more people in that uh, area and there's also some evidence out there to suggest that the crime will increase so you know buckhead is a really unique area we have some really historic houses these neighborhoods have been around for a very long time the problem with it is that these residents don't want these developers to come in and to mix single family with multifamily. i mean and this is a nonpartisan issue i don't care where you are and even across the city this is something that residents want. They want a voice in the direction of their community. And then with a resounding no, they're saying to these zoning changes. Let's move to some issues that are more national in nature. And the first one of those is the rising inflation. What, what is your plan to deal with that? And how is it affecting Atlanta? Uh, no, well, if you look at the statistics, I think I saw um, that Atlanta was hit, was number one. It was hit the hardest in the entire country in inflation. I mean, you go out to the grocery store, you go out to get gas, um, you're, you're looking at prices that are um, completely out of control. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that we need better fiscal responsibility from the Fed and from the Biden administration, from Congress, from, really from everyone, to um, to get these prices under control. You know, we also have to keep in mind that wages typically lag behind inflation. So as, as people, as everything gets more expensive, people's wages aren't going up. So people in fact are getting poorer. So unless you get a raise or unless you get a new job, you're getting poorer over time. That's the effect of inflation. And our leaders in Washington need to be doing a better job. They can, they can play the blame game all, they, all that they want. But the fact is, is that we gotta get on top of this right now. Let's move to another domestic issue, which is immigration and the expiration next week of Title 42. Yeah, so Title 42 is an order that was um, uh, by President Trump during his administration with COVID, which allowed the Border Patrol um, to turn away migrants expeditiously, expeditiously because of the coronavirus, because of a respiratory uh, infectious illness. Um, and so the Biden administration next week is letting that expire. And even Republicans and Democrats alike in Congress agree that Title 42 should not be expired. It should not be allowed to expire. Number one, because obviously coronavirus, even though it's, it's, not, a, a, it's not as 
deadly or infectious as it was uh, two years ago when we first found out about it, it's still being spread. But number two, and most importantly, because of the fact that we're going to see an enormous surge in migrants because of this, because they're not stupid uh, down there. They understand that once this Title 42 is expired, it's going to be, because essentially what happens is that if you're trying to cross the border, you now have more rights if you're trying to come here illegally than you did before. And so that's that means that if you get caught across the border, come back in a few months for your court hearing. And of course, they never do. So this is going to create a whole nother slew of caravans. Um, you know, illegal immigrants are going to be coming here tenfold. Um, it's causing a huge problem. And I was at the border um, a few. Yeah, we, I saw some pictures on your social media. About yeah, that. I went down there uh, in San Diego and Tijuana, and it was great to see it firsthand. It's a nice wall and uh, thank you for president trump for for building it and extending the wall we absolutely need the need the wall and by the way um you know i was down there and i talked with a lot of people who actually live at, at, on border towns and it is a completely different subject this is not even when you talk to the people that live in san diego or in brownsville texas this is not even a partisan issue everyone agrees you need the wall. everyone agrees that you need the wall and that you need more border security Let's move from the domestic realm to the international realm. Uh, currently, the Russians and the Ukrainians are fighting a war. It's going into the third month now. What are your opinions on that, and how should the U.S. respond? Yeah, well, I mean, I think everyone is really surprised, but also uh, very uplifted that the Ukrainians are fighting as hard as they are and protecting their nation. Uh, the Russians are very brutal. And I think that we need to give the Ukrainians as much as possible within reason um, in, in terms of uh, uh, funding and, and arms uh, within reason to fight the Russians. Uh, I also think, however, that the neighbors, um, especially NATO, needs to be supporting Ukraine more. I'd like to see Germany go ahead and support Ukraine more. Uh, these countries are in their backyard and I think they need to be doing uh, a lot more than us when we are uh, halfway around the world. Um, but I do agree that we don't need boots on the ground uh, at this particular time. Um, so I, I do agree with that stance. The primary is next Tuesday, May 24th. What have the results been from early voting? Yeah, if you look at the results, the numbers so, so far in the 5th Congressional District, uh, we're looking at fantastic numbers. The energy is definitely on our side. You see that statewide. Uh, Republicans are getting out and voting early. And that's actually surprising because Republicans typically vote on Election Day. But if you look at the statistics for the 5th Congressional District, thus far, about 25.5% of early voters have chosen a Republican ballot. Um, and that's a really big increase compared to previous years and pre previous primary. Uh, primary years. Um, you know, this is just the primary, this is not the general, but if you look at that 25.5% of voters uh, voting early uh, who have chosen a Republican ballot, that's more than 10% more who have voted Republican in the general election for the last couple Republican candidates. So, um, you know, that's really good uh, sign for our campaign. If you haven't voted yet, uh, there's a couple days left of early voting. It ends on Friday. Uh, but if not, go and vote on, on next Tuesday. So uh, we're looking forward to the results. And lastly, how can people get involved with your campaign? Absolutely. Well, just go to uh, ChristianZim.com and you can find out how to donate, uh, how to order a yard sign, 
how to uh, volunteer. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we're very active there as well, so thank you. Well, Christian, thanks so much for coming on Advancing the Agenda. I hope we can do some more interviews as the uh, campaign continues. And I look forward to speaking with everyone next time on Advancing the Agenda.